He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. They will have to pivot towards different business models. And we are seeing a lot of that where guest rooms are becoming meeting rooms. They're becoming satellite offices. They're becoming homes away from home for people that are like, I just need to get out of my house. I've been locked in for so long. Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. Welcome back, all my Slick Talkers, to part two featuring Oracle Hospitality on the podcast. Um, we talk about their data-driven recovery report and what that looks like. And as you can hear from the intro clip, talking about the different functions and the pivots that hotels have been making during this time of COVID-19 and how their data recovery report was skiffed has shown these trends and, of course, a bunch of other things being carried out throughout the next couple of years. So I'm really excited. Thanks for tuning in. In the show notes, you're going to find everything linking back to Oracle Hospitality and what they've put together and what they do. And super excited to continue this interview with Tanya. So enjoy this episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and of course, leave an awesome review on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you listen. Thanks, guys, and enjoy this part two with Oracle Hospitality. He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. All right, everybody, welcome back to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. We're doing part two with Oracle Hospitality. How have you been, Tanya? It's been, you know, like maybe a couple of weeks since we recorded uh, the, the first episode, which we're, doesn't seem like it because we're scheduling them pretty close together. But I think it's been kind of cool to, to see you after, after weeks of being apart and all this crazy COVID and election and all just, you know, the current events that ha- has been happening. Uh, it's, it's great to see you again. Great to see you too. It feels like no time has passed at all. I know. So That's what happens just, when you become best like friends, two, right? I know. It's like two old friends getting together. Let's just talk about what's happening in the world today. I love it. Exactly. Awesome. Well, um, for all the listeners tuning in, we just want you to say, or we just want to say that if you don't know who Tanya is and who Oracle Hospitality is, um, what they do, then go listen to part one. It'll cover everything. Catch up. Come join us back on this episode and join into what we're going to be talking about, which is going to involve uh, trends, obviously, from your guys' data research, um, things like flexibility with cancellation policies and you know non-refundable rates, which has been pretty crazy to watch and to see the stats on that. So I'm really excited to jump in and I'll kick it off with our first question. So what trends have you seen from the data research when it comes to flexibility in cancellation policies on hotels? So, Will, we completed our research, I think it was uh, April, May. It was pretty soon after the pandemic hit us. And it seems like a lifetime ago that we asked uh, the industry those questions. And I feel like we can keep asking the same questions every 30 days and the answers will change. Because back Mm -hmm. then, I think everybody was still hopeful that by the fall, all of this was going to be behind us. And it will just be one of those distant memories that people reference in some sort of uh, history books. And obviously, that's not the chain. That's not the case. But what we, um, but what our respondents said to us uh, back then is that everybody is definitely looking for flexibility in the cancellation policies, and it was definitely top of mind, and on everybody's uh, wish list. So over eighty percent of the executives said that they were considering 
or had already made the changes to allow for more flexible cancellation and refund policies for the guests. The guests, on the other hand, also overwhelmingly said that they would select a hotel company that offered them that flexibility. So I think majority of the industry has recognized that and they've already started making some of those changes to their revenue management strategies. Um, and their overall digital kind of distribution strategies as a whole. So we asked several different questions such as, you know, were you planning on, are you currently making changes to your policies? Were you planning on making some changes? Are you revising your distribution strategies? Are you removing some of those policies that you had in the past around minimum length of stay requirements? And more than a third consistently answered yes to every one of those uh, questions when we combined it with people that were already in the midst of making the change and those that were considering already making a change. Like I said, on certain questions, we tipped 80%, which really goes to show um, how quick the industry was to respond to what the guests were saying to them. And frankly, how empathetic the industry was to what was, hap was, to what was happening around them and to what the guests were saying, which is tremendous. Yeah, it's a very proactive. It was a very proactive um, response on everybody's part, uh, especially because you think about it. Um, when you're in hospitality, we travel, you know, a lot for our jobs, or we have family members that travel, and so I think that's the coolest part is that we get to put ourselves in our guest shoes and understanding, like, if I was going to Seattle or wherever, and uh, I had to cancel the last minute because of all this, and I wasn't able to get my money back, that would be pretty pretty, uh, or at least maybe postpone, you know, like to be able to schedule it, you know, for a different date. Um, is it's, it's, it's a damper. Let's, let's just be honest. It's a damper on everything, especially when people are worried about jobs and, and income and, you know, all the other stuff going on in the world. So I think it's really great to see our industry be really proactive. Um, when I was a hotel manager, we were always battling, you know, with, you know, OTAs on non-refundable rates. Um, in, in positive and negative ways, you know, that it's a good thing for a lot of hotels to have that on the books income that is there. It's not a guess, it's not a forecast, it's there. Um, what are we seeing now when it comes to those type of rate structures, you know, non-refundables? Um, does that go into the flexibility of what um, the proactiveness of hoteliers has been is by pretty much getting rid of that? Yeah, I don't think that you were the only one that had that internal battle. I think it's definitely somebody that everybody has felt within the industry on some level uh, or the other. And, and the travelers have battled with it as well. Mm -hmm. What has helped, I think, on the, on the hotel side is that the airlines did it first. So oh, in a way, yeah. the travelers were almost sort of used to it. They didn't like it. And they would always sort of complain about it uh, because the airlines even had more restrictions around it. But it, it was somewhere deep in their brain. So when the hotel started doing it, which wasn't decades ago, I mean, 10, maybe 15 years ago at the max, when these sort of very strict policies were being introduced, it was almost like, a, oh, here we go, kind of following in the, in the trend of what the airlines were doing. So, um, I mean, our, uh, the outcome of our study showed that 76% of the travelers would more likely reserve a hotel room at a hotel that did offer more flexible and booking policies. Mm -hmm. So in the end, the market is telling us what needs to be done. Yeah. And that trend will continue. And various hotel companies around the world have already responded to these demands, as I said, and they are taking the steps to provide those additional booking flexibility for their guests. 
Um, a lot of hotels com companies have also adjusted their earning and redemption rules for loyalty programs. So giving more flexibility around the earning and the consumption of those uh, accrued points. And frankly, in the end, when all of this is hopefully behind us, guests will remember that. They will remember those hotel companies that were empathetic, as I said, that were flexible, that offered consumers choices during the bad times, and will carry that loyalty with them in the good times as well. I truly believe that. No, I couldn't agree more. And I was going to ask, because this is an interesting way to, I think we've seen, you know, the demands there, the guests don't want, you know, to have to have such a strict booking policy. Um, but do you believe once this is kind of behind us that we'll see the non-refundable rates come back? Because I also seen a lot of hotels pick in like a way to do vouchers so um so the people that have already paid and aren't requesting an instant refund um you know they're offering another solution to keep revenue on the books as vouchers and prepayments and um, is that do you, do you think that's going to be something that's going to continue to to transpire in the industry especially with hotels I do. I think we will see it come back, maybe not in the exact form as we knew it before. Um, I think it will take a long time for people to get truly comfortable in how they were in the past. Um, and you're right. I mean, we need the fencing and we need these prepaid rates because it allows the hotels to build a base, right? They yeah. can forecast better. They, they understand exactly. They can project their revenues. They know how to schedule their staff. All of that comes into play. You know what I mean? All these sort of different uh, revenue practices, which I know are not transparent to the consumer. To them, it's like, why am I giving you $200 and I'm not going to be staying for six months, yeah. which if I kind of think about it in the context of the discussion that we had uh, last time is that when you're buying air and you're prepaying it, you're pretty much know I'm going right because if you cancel the air, you're going to lose a lot more money usually than on the hotel. So you may be more willing to prepay the hotel stay as well. But if that rise in drive to traffic continues to increase as we've seen it, and as we talked about last time, then all of a sudden from a consumer perspective, it's like the plants are not necessarily 100% firmed up. So now the fact that you would need to prepay the hotel room, you're like, mm, do I really want to do it? Maybe the day before arrival, I know that I'm coming, but 30 days before arrival, do I really know that I will be able to commit 100%? Because as we've seen over the last six, seven months, a lot changes even in a week. Yeah. Where I am, every other week, we have new rules about what we can and cannot do. And no matter how good your plans are and how willing you are to you know, travel somewhere, if the government says, sorry, you can't go, you can't go. So yeah. the industry sort of has to kind of respond to those change, changes and mandates that have nothing to do with the consumer changing their mind. Like, oh, I yeah. have better plans. I'm not going to go. It's yeah. literally somebody that's kind of preventing them to do it. But to sort of go back to your original question, I, I do think that um, some sort of fencing will need to come back uh, to just not have it would be too high of a risk, like I said, from a, a forecasting and projecting revenue perspective and, and staffing. But definitely the overall playbook will may need to change and yeah. how um, hotels sort of view those long long-term rates or prepaid rates will need to change based on what the market how the market demands change yeah and i love that you brought that in you know it's not the guests changing their mind it's usually based on regulations and other uncontrollable factors um and i think you know with the non-refundable rates too we've seen the booking window 
close so much. It's no longer a booking, like you said, six months or 30 days in advance. It's the day before, to be honest. A lot of even vacation rentals, restaurants, hotels, you know, they're all seeing, you know, you know, they start their day at 7 a.m. with 12% occupancy and then all of a sudden, boom, it skyrockets up to who knows what number, but it's all the last minute stuff. Um, it's the last minute, you know, we can do it right now. So we can do it right now. It's not, well, I don't know what's going to happen in 30 days. So I think that's a, a big factor too, is, you know, the booking window and the guest, um, I guess the guest mindset and experience is, is different than, you know, obviously it was pre-COVID. So that has a lot of uh, big factors to it. No, I completely agree. Those behaviors and again, I think it's another one of those things that we talked about last time is that we've sort of dislodged ourselves from our old behavior and adjusted mm -hmm. to the new. And now it's going to take some time to dislodge from this again and get into the habit of doing something in a different way again. Fundamentally, the sort of human nature and desire to be with each other and to go experience new and different things will prevail. I, I honestly believe that and I will continue to believe it till the end of my days. Um, but it's, uh, it, it will take some time to get there yeah. because people have realized that there's other ways to do things and other ways to behave and other ways to make contact with people that doesn't necessarily involve travel to the same extent that they had in the past. So we'll see it, uh, we'll see it come back. But I think the most recent projections that we've seen take us into 2022, 23, 24, 25 which is a lot later than originally projected where it's like, oh, we'll be done by September and yeah. business as usual in January of 21. I don't think that we will see that. No, I agree. Well, now that we're talking about what we'll see in the future, I want to know what are your predictions for the future of hotels? Because um, we've seen a lot of cool stuff happen. Uh, I had another guest on the show um, who was part of a virtual ev uh, event out in Italy but he said, you know, it's sad that we innovate when we're forced to innovate. Mm -hmm. We're not always innovating um, and, and continuing to be prepared for stuff like this. And so uh, the future of hotels, you know, we're seeing subscription-based model memberships and plans and, and um, you know, apart hotels really thriving right now and a few other type of destination uh, markets that are outskirts of, you know, big cities like Seattle, New York, et cetera. Um, so I'm kind of curious, what are your guys' predictions, especially from this data-driven recovery reports? Um, I want to know what what you got in what you got in store. Yeah. So first of all, I think the saying goes, "Don't waste a good disruption; learn from mm -hmm. it." And you're right. I think a lot of hotel companies are forced into this different innovation that they would have predicted in the past. Right? Nobody would have thought, "Oh, I'm going to take a guest room and turn it into an office." Yeah. It just wasn't something that somebody wanted to do until the guest said to them, I know I don't, I can't work from home. My seven-year-old is trying to learn grade two math over Zoom, like yeah. get me out of my house. Yeah. So they're finding ways to say, okay, well, we have this underutilized inventory. People are no longer flying in and staying in my hotel. How do I repurpose it for something else? So they will have to pivot towards different business models. And we are seeing a lot of that where guest rooms are becoming meeting rooms. They're becoming satellite offices. They're becoming homes away from home for people that are like, I just need to get out of my house. I've been locked in for so long. Yeah. So we're seeing a lot of that. A lot of demand for contactless. That's something the conversation started years ago on that. 
but it was one of those that it's like, we'll get to it when we can. Some hotel companies did it better than others. They were right out there sort of pushing the envelope when it came to uh, digital key, online check-ins, and really making sort of a contactless check-in experience or a front desk-less check-in experience. And we're starting to see that more and more and more, not just from some of the larger brands, but even the independents for whom you would say this wasn't something that they were considering on investing in. Yeah. What I'm sort of have been asking myself is, let's say fast forward the clock, 12 months, maybe even 18 months, right? When, when things sort of get back into some sort of a groove and people's cravings for travel and for interaction and for experiences resume, will they now demand more face-to-face -face time? Will now part of the hotel experience be the check-in? Whereas before, if you were to say, oh, no, check-in is just a necessary evil. It's just somebody to give me my key and tell me where the elevator is, right? Yeah. And tell me how, like, how late the pool is open. But for those of us that have sort of been deprived and fear, feel starved of that human experience over the last seven months, Will all those little things and interactions that we used to take for granted now be something that we look forward to? So it will be interesting to get your key. It will all of a sudden be interesting again to, you know, be told where, where the elevator is and where the pool is and whatnot. I, I think for some, yes, I really do believe that. For some, it will be, no, I, I, I just want to go straight to my room. But what we have to do as an industry, both from a hotel management perspective, as well as anybody that provides technologies, is give the consumer options and yes. choices. So yeah. it's not one way to do business with a hotel. It's here's all the different ways in which you can do business with a hotel. And if for you, that means you want to go from your car to your room and never see a human being, great. We have that option for you. And for somebody that it's like, here's their lobby, here's their coffee shop, here's, you know, the restaurants that we have, here's all the grounds, that's okay too. Yeah. So it's about making everybody feel comfortable and safe and valued in that interaction, regardless of what they want that interaction to be. Yeah. So to me, it will be more and more about offering different choices to the consumer instead of mandating this is the only way that you can interact with our business well just it's a crazy way to like think about it but it's just flexibility at a high level um we talk about flexibility and cancellation policies and stuff but it's flexibility and just operating and and no longer expecting every guest to have a curated uh you know travel experience that's the same as everybody else um and i love that and i I, you know, talking to another hotel, uh, Kempton brand in, in Chicago, they're using dayuse.com as an OTA. They're using these functions that we're talking about, you know, co-working or co-working and uh, subscription-based um, contactless experiences. They're renting out whole floor uh, parts of the hotel to businesses that, um, you know, are able to bring their staff and do like that satellite thing. Um, it's really cool to see that. I even saw one where they were doing a podcast studio. They had a podcast yeah. studio that you could use as like a date. I was like, man, I'm, if I was in Chicago, I would be there. I'd be doing it. Um, but I think it's becoming, like you said, more flexible on how we operate. And then, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because even this like last weekend, I did a staycation at a, a W hotel in Seattle and, you know, Marriott Bonvoy members. So of course, checked in on the mobile app, got my mobile key, but then I was in my room 
got ready for dinner and drinks and then was able to go then and have that human to human interaction on my terms. And that's why I think, you know, we can talk about it and it was cool to experience because all the headache was out of the way. I got to curate how I wanted my experience to be. And then when I was ready to, to, to speak with somebody and have that good, you know, positive um, staff interaction, it was nothing but perfect because there's no other stressors. There's no other, you need to do it this way when I had a, you know, other plans or, you know, so just, again, flexibility has been, been the biggest key, I think for, for all of this. And it's been cool to see the industry kind of, uh, awaken and shift that way a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I often think to myself, even over the last 20 years, sort of traveling both professionally and personally, I always feel like there were two sides to me as a traveler. There was the business traveler that just wanted to go from a taxi to my hotel room. Like, don't talk to me. I know what I'm doing. I usually stayed at the same places. And even if it was a new place that was like, I just want to get to my room. And then when I traveled on leisure, my expectations were different and my kind of how I wanted to interact with the hotel team was different. I wanted to know about the activities. I wanted to know about the food and beverage offerings. I wanted to know about all the amenities that existed at the hotel. And I didn't find it laborious or annoying that people wanted to talk to me about it. Yeah. So again, different people will have different needs, but even the same person, depending on why they're there, will have different expectations as well. So again, it's just about offering them those options, recognizing that they may have different needs than somebody else and recognizing that their need today may be a little bit different than it was last week when they stayed and being flexible in such a way and adapting to it and and recognizing. To me, that goes to sort of the next level of personalization and what will keep people loyal and coming back because they will be emotionally connected. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, do you think this is a trend that will continue after, you know, this is all over or do do you see more maybe backpedaling? Uh, definitely a trend that will continue. It it should, it's the right thing to do and probably something that should have been done years ago, but there were other things to do, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like there's not enough initiatives that are taking place in a hotel every single day and every single one of them probably require a process and they require people to be trained and often need some kind of resources, either monetary or, or people wise to help support it. So there were other things that took precedence, but seeing the opportunities that can come out, especially revenue related or reducing cost of sale or some sort of a kind of optimizing uh, operational efficiencies, seeing the benefits of all of that, they should continue. And maybe they'll evolve over time. Maybe other things will trump it. So they'll need to sort of take a back seat. But things like contactless or offering choice, things are using or or kind of transforming your unused inventory for a different purpose that you may not have considered in the past, which may not have been kind of what it was designed to do, should continue. Can I agree more? It's like you just took the words right out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> that's what okay. part three will look like. Part three will just, <laughs> I'll ask the questions and you answer them. Perfect. It will just, actually, you're just going to become a new co-host. How about that? We'll just make this a weekly it. thing. Perfect. I love it. All right, everybody, you heard it. It's happened here on the show. Just kidding. Um, so, well, I want to ask, cause this has been a great catch up and I think you can bring a lot of insight, obviously with your guys' study. Um, there's so much information and it's really just, it's, it's a good resource and it's a tool that I've actually looked back on, you know, as I've been doing other projects and, and other things um, involving, you know, 
obviously hospitality, but I want to know what else is new with you guys um, for the, you know, maybe um, some updates about Oracle hospitality and announcements that uh, you can, you can share with the listeners today. Well, thank you for that opening. I can't wait to tell you about what we've been doing and we've done a lot of really, really amazing things. And I'm so proud of the, you know, new levels of innovation that we have been able to reach over the last uh, two years. But one of the things that um, I wanted to tell you about today is what we called our Oracle Hospitality Integration Platform. And we have this kind of tagline, which is difficult to convey without video, because imagine me holding my hands really wide apart that says that Oracle Hospitality is seriously open. And what this means is that it's the only, it's a truly a meaningful way to describe our open architecture that defines our products, especially our Opera Cloud offering. And as I said, recently we launched the general release of the Oracle Hospitality Integration Platform or OHIP as we call it. And OHIP is our next generation integration solution which centralizes, consolidates and streamlines all our interface capabilities and related processes into a single and unified platform. It allows all our users, partners, hotels, um, distribution channels and unprecedented self-service experiences from discovering a rich set of hospitality REST APIs to adopting them in a customer or partner application to publishing their usage in our cloud marketplace. So it will truly revolutionize how our users interact with Opera, not just through our own UIs, but like I said, by utilizing these APIs to power their own solutions at their end. So much, much faster adoption of new technologies and innovations, leveraging our partner network and the industry as a whole to help accelerate innovation at all levels. Whereas before one might have kind of faulted us for being a little bit closed off. Now it's all about being open and allowing the markets to innovate right along with us. So as a hotel general manager or a front office manager, I'm no longer having to log into 20 different tabs in order to find all these certain things. I'm not having to lock into a CRM and a PMS and all these other backend stuff. I'm able to do it just on one platform with you guys? That is definitely going to be an option for you. But the example that I like to use uh, a lot, and this was certainly my reality when I worked on the hotel side of things, is that there would often be a, let's say a startup that had a really, really great guest service app. And they would come in and do the pitch and show how this is something fantastic and users would love it. And then the next question we would ask is like, oh, okay, great, but do you integrate to any of the operational systems? Do you integrate to Opera PMS as an example? And their answer would be no. Well, we'd be like, okay, well, that's great. I love your app, but I'll see you in two years when you can develop this integration. Mm -hmm. So all of that is sort of going away. This new you know, startup or even existing partner can simply go to the integration platform, uh, become a, a part of the partner network, subscribe to the APIs, and then be able to develop on top of it. So what used to be a multi-year wow. and a fairly expensive process, can now now takes much, much less time, which then allows the hotel to, like I said, innovate faster, um, get to market faster and realize all those revenue opportunities. So that's really, really exciting, not just for us and Oracle Hospitality, but for all our customers um, and all our partners and frankly, the industry as a whole. Yeah, so it's now taking everything we talked about with flexibility and being able to do these certain innovations and being flexible with how hotels can now do that instead of saying, well, we can't do it because this doesn't integrate with that. And it makes a 
20, you know, a two-step process, a 20-step process. That's pretty incredible. Absolutely, yeah. And then the other one that I wanted to uh, make you aware of is what we call Opera Cloud Services Foundation. So we have been in the market with two product offerings, Opera Cloud Services Standard and Opera Cloud Services um, Premium. And um, they're really the, the difference between them is just the number of different features and functions that you turn on in the product. But we also recognize that there was an entire area of the market that we were not necessarily friendly towards from a product perspective. Their perception was perhaps that Opera was too, too cumbersome, had too many features and functionality and not something that suits their business needs. So we introduced a lower tier offering called Opera Cloud Services Foundation which is limited to 30 Opera functions, but is really meant to serve sort of those limited service and mid-scale customers that just need simplified product offering. They don't need all the bells and whistles. They're like I said, limited service or economy brands. Um, they just need a simplified offering. They want faster user onboarding. They want intuitive applications and they wanted a cloud offering. So mm. we are out in the market with that. Um, very, very exciting. The response has been tremendous because people are like, finally, now there's an opera for me. So we now have a different flavor, not quite Baskin Robbins 21 flavors, <laughs> but our three, um, the three different foundation standard and premium really kind of allows us to contribute to the entire market. Um, from sort of the, the smaller end hotels to the luxury brands and have one single opera for them. So when I get my first hotel, I can call yeah. you guys and just get that, that solution right then and there. You don't even have to call me. I'll know. I'll call Perfect. you. Okay. Right there. That's number one. That's awesome. Well, that sounds really incredible because like, you know, we discussed on the first episode is that I'm a fan of, of opera. Uh, I used it for my first hotel. Uh, I'm pretty sure I can go back to that hotel, get behind a desk and, and continue to operate the way I used to five years ago. Um, but I, I just, it's super cool to see the innovation, especially during the times that we're in. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, I'm geeking out over this. I'm like, oh, okay. I get, now I got to go buy a hotel, like pretty much tomorrow. So I can start, you know, geeking out on the software. Um, but no, seriously, thank you so much for, for sharing this stuff with, uh, with myself and of course the audience, and then, uh, for being on the show for not once, but twice. And so it's, it's been pretty cool and exciting to talk with you about all this awesome stuff. My pleasure, Will. I've really, really enjoyed talking to you. Hope we get to do it again. Yes, and in person. And I'll have to, of course, get you a coffee or, or something like that and pick your brain a little bit more. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. For all thank the you. slick talkers out there, um, if you're listening, well, obviously you're listening because you're talking, hearing me talk right now. But uh, all the show notes are going to have everything that we've talked about. It's going to have the links and the information that you need if you want to learn a little bit more. So thank you guys and tune in next week. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, then you are amazing. And thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. 
And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast.